Hey, welcome out again um, to Grace Church. And if we've never had a chance to meet before, my name is Steve. And at this campus, I am a resident. And so what I get the privilege to do is I get to help oversee something called Give It Away. And so Pastor Seth, he mentioned that's our purpose statement. We want to know it, live it, and give it away, it being the gospel. So it's really cool. I get to help um, share the good news of Jesus um, to other people. And so that, that's a little bit about what I do. But I think to really introduce myself, the best way to do that might be to introduce you to the rest of my family. So you guys ready for that? Here are my two boys, okay? Check it out. This is Emery, all right? On the right here, this is Emery. He's four. He's like, why are you taking another picture of me, Dad? I just want to play my Pokemon puzzle here. You know, that's Emery. He's pretty cool. And then I got Isaiah, our two-year-old, and he likes to pick his belly button. You know, who doesn't? So <laughs> there you go. Uh, he, he's really rambunctious. So it, by the way, if you see these guys running around the hallway, which you probably will at some point here, um, if you see him, and if you see him do this face, okay, see that kind of like smile, like it, it's really mischievous, right? That means he's about to slap you, okay? And so that's exactly what happened. I, I captured this, and yeah, right after, he just like whap right into Emery, and uh, he can beat him up. It's kind of crazy. He'll just go behind him and just literally take him down. It's, it's fun to watch. It's fun. And here's my beautiful wife, Maggie, and our daughter, Isley. She's eight months old, and yes, we were praying together this morning at 3 a.m., so uh, I was praying, she was yelling, but <laughs> whatever, so I am well-rested, kind of. All right, this is going to be great. Well, hey, um, that's my family, that's me, I thought that would be fun, and let me just tell you, I am excited to, uh, to uh, continue in the series today and what we're calling Be Bold, and like Pastor Seth said, we started this series last week, and so if you weren't here, if you didn't get a chance to catch up on that, you can go on our app, you can go online, you can catch up with the series, but basically, basically with Be Bold, what we're saying is, we're kind of asking the question, what is boldness? What is boldness? Is it uh, a font kind of like this? You know, oftentimes when we think of boldness, we think of a font much like this one. Uh, sometimes we think boldness is being bold or uh, making a bold statement or doing something daring just for the sake of being daring. And if we're honest, especially if we put boldness in the context of a Christian, of someone who follows Jesus, sometimes we associate boldness in that way with being brash, with being overbearing, like a protester or an activist with aggression and assertiveness, stuff like that. And if we're honest, honestly, some Christians are like that way. Some Christ followers, they'll say, like, yeah, um, just tell people they're going to hell. If it's true, it's true. And if that's true, then that's just the way it is. And I'm going to let you know. <laughs> and maybe that's why we have the other extreme. Uh, you have Christians who look at that and they say, I don't want to be like that at all. I don't want that kind of boldness. So I'm going to do everything in my power to not be perceived as pushy or anything like that or as aggressive. And so we kind of have people that shrink back in that way as well. But what the Bible says, boldness in the Bible, it's not about the volume of our voice. It's not about the volume of our voice. It's not about the assertiveness of our actions. It's not about the loudness of our personality. It's not about being obnoxious or pushy or assertive or forceful or aggressive. Instead, what the Bible seems to say about boldness is this. It's much more about confident transparency. It's much more about vulnerability or Fearless authenticity. It's about saying what is true, being plain and open without ambiguity, but with a lot of gentleness and respect. And so great, boldness. Okay, we got that. Now, how do I be bold? If that's what we're talking about, how do I be bold? That's an excellent question. That's a question that we're going to take in steps. And Tony, Pastor Tony, introduced us to this last week. And he, um, last week, what he said is to be bold, we need to have two things. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit 
and we need to rely on prayer. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, we'll talk about that in the weeks to come, but today we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about how do you be bold? We should have bold prayer. Bold prayer. And so, what is bold prayer then? Kind of ask that question, what is bold prayer? Is it to ask God to rain fire down on your enemies, kind of like the prophet Elijah did in 1 Kings? Uh, if you've ever read that story, if you haven't, I would check it out. That's pretty interesting, and it's kind of crazy and epic. You're like, that's, that's pretty bold. That's pretty crazy. Is that bold prayer? Is bold prayer a matter of just praying little or big prayers, like whatever that means? Like you're just praying little prayers. You've got to pray bigger prayers, whatever that means. Not sure. Or, or is it, um, you guys seen that 30 and 30 thing out there, that prayer thing where you can write on the, the little hockey puck looking things and drop it down? Is bold prayer writing on that? I want a new PlayStation 4. And that's pretty bold. And by the way, we can see your prayers when you write on there. There's some very interesting ones. So I applaud you for your boldness. But is that a bold prayer? Or is bold prayer this? Is it saying, Jesus, would you do something miraculous to reassure me that you exist and to unlock some kind of supernatural ability that I can use anytime that I want? And if you're wondering, why is that one so detailed? It's because I did something like that before. And of course, I have to embarrass you with uh, this, embarrass me with this story now. And so I remember back in 2011, okay? 2011, I became a Christ follower. And prior to that, I hadn't been to church, hadn't read the Bible, nothing like that. And I remember, man, I'm kind of at a learning curve here. I, I'm following Jesus, but I don't know what the Bible says. I should probably read the Bible. So I decided to do a Bible plan, and it was to read the Bible in 90 days, which I'm not going to tell you not to do that, but that was pretty crazy. It was, it was tough, all right, reading the Bible in 90 days. And in fact, I don't know what I retained from that other than the story, the, the story I'm about to share with you right now. And I remember getting past the Old Testament, and it was crazy, and it was awesome. I got past the Old Testament. I get all the way to Matthew 17. I remember clearly landing on this verse. So Matthew 17, verse 20, I'll just say it here says this, he replied, so Jesus is talking, Jesus says, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, so picture this, brand new Christian, reading the Bible pretty much for the first time, I look at this alone in my room reading this and I stop and I'm like, that's very interesting. And so <laughs> I remember I looked over to the right on my nightstand, and for some reason I had this like bamboo plant thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I don't, it's not important. It's weird, whatever. I had this bamboo plant thing, and I look at that, and I'm like, huh, anything's, impos anything's possible? Nothing is impossible? And I can, you know, you're telling me, God, I can, we can move a mountain together? Surely I can move this bamboo with you. So I probably spent the next 30, 60, 120 minutes, not important, a long time, an embarrassing amount of time, praying, God, would you move this bamboo plant? And of course he did, and I accepted Christ, and it was great. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's not what happened, okay? So is that bold prayer? I mean, that's, that's bold, but is that what we're talking about? No, bold prayer is not this, okay? Bold prayer is not asking big things for me. It's not a matter of like, you're not praying big enough. You need to just pray bigger prayers, whatever that means. It's not about asking for stuff for my benefit, right? For the, the PlayStation 4, a bold prayer would be asking for a PlayStation 4 Pro, okay? So you see the difference there? I'm just kidding. And it's not Jedi mind tricks. It's not like, Lord, could you just let me use the force or something? That, that's the force. That's not bold prayer. So bold prayer is not those things. Well, what is bold prayer then? 
And so I, I obviously got to study the scriptures and I got to um, look through and I was kind of surveying the different prayers of the Bible. And if you've never done that before, that is a really fun thing to do, to see in the Old Testament how um, the people of God would pray and in the New Testament how they would pray as well. And I think a good definition of what bold prayer is, it might be more like this. It might be more like actively praying for the people and for the things that Jesus would pray for and seeking the outcomes that Jesus is looking for. Okay, bold prayer, it's more like this. It's actively praying for the people, for the things. God says, would you, God's like, man, pray my will, pray the kingdom would come, and for seeking the outcomes that Jesus is looking for. What is Jesus concerned about? What is he looking for as opposed to what I'm looking for? Now that is bold prayer. And so to help us kind of wrap our minds around that, we're going to go to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to see a really cool story here. So Acts chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible, no problem. There should be Bibles underneath your seats or around you. And in those black Bibles, you can go to page 760, and you'll be where we're at. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23. In fact, this entire um, passage here, some of your headlines in your Bibles probably say that the believers pray for boldness. So we're going to see what the believers prayed, and they prayed for boldness boldness. And as you're turning there, real quick, I'm making a bit of an assumption. I'm making the assumption that we actually know what prayer is in the first place. And I recognize that there, there are a lot of different types of people here. There's people that have been following Christ for a long time. There's new believers. There's people investigating Jesus. There might even be people who are opposed to Jesus. And we welcome all of you here, and that's great, and we love that. And so what I would just say, if you've never... Um, prayed before, if you don't know what prayer is, basically it's just this. Prayer is just talking and listening to God. Just talking and listening to God. And if you want more um, than that, I would just encourage you, download our app, go to our website. We have a lot of great past series that we've done before, and one of those series is called Teach Us to Pray. And so I would encourage you, I would challenge you, um, no shame, just check it out. In fact, invite somebody, invite somebody with you to check out that series, Teach Us to Pray. And so that would be cool. Well, all right, let's pick up in verse 23 here of Acts, and it says this, on their release, and I'll talk about that in a second, but on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Okay, so on their release, what what are we talking about here? Well, Peter and John, they're disciples of Jesus, they're followers of Jesus, they were just questioned by the very same people that were very much involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. These are the people that were involved in getting Jesus killed on the cross. The same people that had all the power and the authority to hold charges onto Peter and John for associating with Jesus, for talking and teaching about Jesus to other people, for sharing their faith. And it says that they were released, which is crazy in and of itself. But then we wonder, what, what did they say? So Peter and John, they went back to their own people. They reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. What was it that they said? And this is what they said. In, ver- in chapter 4, verse 18, it tells us that these guys, they told the disciples this. Finding no way to punish them, they threatened them by saying, don't speak, don't teach at all in the name of Jesus. So that's what they said to them. They let them go. They're like, look, this whole you sharing your faith thing, don't do that. <laughs> don't talk, don't teach, don't give your life, you're giving your life's work to this thing, to this guy who died and raised again. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Don't go on doing that. 
And obviously that wasn't a promise, that was a threat, a very much a threat to their lives. And you can imagine the range of emotions going on in the disciples' heads right now, wondering like, man, what should we do? What should we do? They're telling us, the same people that killed Jesus, they could do that same thing to us, they're telling us, go away, don't do that anymore, don't talk about Jesus. Well, it shows us what the response was. The response was this. They went back to their own people. (laughs) They went back to their life group. They went back to the church. They went back to their own people. They told them what happened, and they raised their voices together in prayer. So as far as we know, it it doesn't say this. Peter and John went back to their phones and their computers and their Facebook, and they got into this protest and rage about the injustice that's happening, and they just, rah, all about it, right? doesn't say that, nor does it say Peter and John, they went back to their own homes, lived a peaceful life following Jesus, but told nobody about it. It doesn't say those things. What's, what's really interesting is that they just go back to their own people, they go back to their life groups, they go back to the church, they stop and they pray, and they pray together. This is funny to me, actually, like, when it says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. It just makes me wonder, did they, like, just stop and in unison with, like, perfect harmony come together and just say the exact same prayer at the same time? Like, that'd be pretty epic and kind of crazy. It reminds me of, if you ever watch, uh, uh, like, action movies or anime or, like, comic book movies or something like that, and you got the, the bad guys versus the good guys, and the good guys are getting their butts kicked, right? And all of a sudden, one of the good guys looks at the other good guy, and they just nod, and somehow they've gotten a plan of what they're going to do, and then they just do the plan, and they beat the bad guy. I looked it up, actually. It's called the face nod action. It's kind of funny. I'm like, is that what's going on here? That's pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so necessarily. I, I think it's more normal what's happening here. Something way more normal, something way more bold is happening. They just get together and they pray. <laughs> it's not this crazy thing. They just get together. They heard these things and they knew what to do. They knew that they should just pray together. And that's what they did. And uh, in this passage, we're going to see three different points on what bold is. And the first point is this bold prayer is. A first response and not a last resort. Bold prayer, you see, is a first response to what's happening and not just a last resort, not just a second thought about what's going on. See, the disciples, they were unified in their minds, in their mission, and in their prayers. They knew exactly what to do in the situation. They knew that they couldn't do this alone either. So they knew that they should just come together, pray, before they did any kind of actions, any kind of planning, any kind of protesting or anything like that. It wasn't a second thought to them to do this. They just came together, they prayed so naturally. And so I think for me, this is, this is hard for me, maybe it's hard for a lot of us. I know it's for me, oftentimes when I'm in a bad situation or, or something is happening like that, my first thought, if I'm honest, isn't usually just pray. It's usually, let's solve this problem, let's fix the thing, let's do something about this, right? I do this with my wife all the time. (laughs) Whenever she um, opens up to me about something, I don't necessarily always think, oh, I'm going to listen and stop and pray. I'm usually, like, thinking about the problem that's happening, and here's how we're going to solve it. Pro tip, that's not helpful, okay? Just so you know, that's not helpful. But why, why is that? Why don't we, why don't I often think to pray as a first response? Maybe if we're honest, maybe, maybe if we're honest, we think that prayer is ineffective. We, we might not say that out loud, but we might live as if that's true. We're like, well, you know, prayer's not really that effective. I can pray, you know, I can pray kind of anytime, anywhere, first response, last resort. It doesn't matter. God can always hear me. 
You know, I, I know what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Let's just go do that and maybe just pray along the way. Well, of course, we can pray anytime, anywhere, and we should. But I'll just tell you, man, prayer is so effective. And I think this quote kind of helps us get to that point. And there's this theologian called, his name is Karl Barth, and he says this about prayer. It's so good. He says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. To clasp the hands in prayer, it's not ineffective. It's actually the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world is launching an attack with God on everything that's wrong with this world. No one portrays this better than my man, Dan Miller, okay? And if you don't know who Dan Miller is, you'll experience him sometime, but he's, he's our student ministry guy, and I, I just love getting together with him and praying, and he has such a, um, an awesome view on, on what prayer is. And it's this, he, he always sees prayer as a weapon, <laughs> It's like this is a weapon we're engaging on mission with God and we're asking God to do stuff against the disorder of the world. It's a weapon against spiritual warfare, against stuff like that. To pray is to launch an attack on everything that is wrong with the world and with God and doing that with God. In fact, our staff, um, on the fifth Tuesday, whenever there's a fifth Tuesday, we actually come in here and we pray for an hour or so, and some of you guys come too, and you're, you're all welcome and invited to come out to that on the fifth Tuesday, and we get together and we pray together, and this last fifth Tuesday, we actually prayed for this series. We prayed to be bold. We prayed that God would help us to be bold. We prayed that prayer that we introduced last week, Lord, would you make me bold because the world desperately needs you. We did it as a first response, even before we launched the series, as a first response, not as a second thought, like, oh yeah, we should probably pray for that. We're doing this thing with the church, we should probably do that. As a first response, we got together and we prayed, Lord, make me bold because the world desperately needs you. And Dan and I, we, after we prayed with others, we went up to the upper room and I just remember him and I were just praying further for the people that are on our minds to where we're saying, God, would you make me bold because these people desperately need you. And that something happens when we pray together and when we do that as a first response. It's an active, it's an offensive move, not just simply a last resort. All right, so we see the disciples, that's what they did. They stopped they prayed as a first response, not a last resort. And let's continue and let's see what they actually prayed. And in verse 24, it says that they started praying this. They said, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Notice how they pray. They start off with some recognition. They're like, Lord, God, Sovereign Lord, you are good. God, this is all about you, God. You are the creator over everything. They're recognizing this. They're like, God, here's a recognition of who you are. We're coming to you, ruler God. You see, more importantly, we, let's see what they don't start praying. And oftentimes what I often start praying, they didn't say this. They didn't say, oh God, please get us out of this situation that we're in. They didn't begin by asking God to do anything. They didn't ask God to do anything at all in the beginning here. Maybe we can evaluate our prayer lives for a second. For some of us, if we're honest, maybe we don't pray at all, okay? Maybe we don't pray at all. Maybe we're, we're a new believer and we just, you know, we, we just haven't thought about that. Maybe we're investigating Jesus and that's fine. But maybe for some of us, we don't pray at all. For others, maybe we pray on accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we're on the highway and the semi comes and you're like, oh God, please help me, right? Yeah, sometimes we pray on accident, for other people, we might pray more intentionally, but sometimes, and oftentimes, if, if I'm honest, if, it, if you're like me, 
I tend to start and to finish my prayers <laughs> kind of like this. God, please do something for me. Please do this thing for me. I have this need, and I'm praying now for you to meet that need. God, would you do that for me? And now I'm not saying that's entirely bad at all. In fact, the, the disciples will see that they're actually going to pray and ask God for something. They're going to ask God for a lot of things. They're going to ask God for boldness and those kind of things. But here, we, they, we recognize something. We recognize this, that bold prayer is God-centric and not self-centric. Bold prayer is God-centric, not self-centric. Centric. Bold prayers, they're centered around God and God's will, God and his will. The disciples, they start off and they recognize, man, this is the sovereign Lord that we're talking about here, the creator God over everything. They didn't just start and say, God, do this for me. They start and they recognize who God is. This word sovereign Lord, it's interesting. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole Greek thing, but um, what, it, what this word actually means is it means ruler with all authority and with all power. Ruler with all authority and with all power. The disciples, they recognize and they remind themselves. Remember, they're praying together with others. They're reminding themselves and others of who's in charge <laughs> and that God is in charge. Not the ones that just release them, that threaten them with their lives, that had the power on the earth to, give them, uh, to get them in prison, to get them killed like they did for Jesus. They recognize, God, you, you are in charge. Ruler with all authority and all power, God, that is you. Sometimes we can know um, our, our, if our prayers are bold by the content of our prayers. If, it, if it's all about me, and usually it is if I'm honest, if it's all about me and my story and God do this thing for me and do this thing with my story and you should be a part of that, God, if it's all about that, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing either. We should pray for ourselves and for things like that. But if it's all about my story and not centered on God's story, it might not be a bold prayer. So they continue, they engage in God's story this way by going to verse 25, they say this, they say, God, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power and what your will had decided beforehand should happen. So check this out. In this prayer, they're actually quoting something. They're quoting something from the Old Testament. They're reminding themselves back to the Old Testament, to King David, and to his psalm in Psalm 2. They're recognizing that God's power and plan is so important in their prayers, in their bold prayers. They're entering themselves into God's reality, which they are reminded back to King David, who, who was doing the same thing and was in the same exact situation that the disciples found themselves in. King David, in the psalm, he's like, man, God, why are all these people so mad at me and so mad at you for sharing the gospel, for sharing other people about God? Why are they so mad at me and at you for doing that? And so what both King David and the disciples realize in this situation that they find themselves in is that the situation they find themselves in isn't about them in the first place. It's about God and his Story. The people after David, the people threatening Peter and John, they're ultimately mad at Jesus. They're mad at God and God's rule and God's authority. This reminds me of uh, John 15. And in John 15, I'll just say, Jesus says this. He says, if the world hates you, it's because they hated me first. 
So when we share the gospel like these guys are doing, what we're ultimately at some point telling somebody is that what you're doing, whatever is ruling your world is not working. <laughs> and you can imagine that's not attractive all the time. That, doesn't, that sometimes doesn't go well. And I love their boldness here. They say this in verse 28. They're like recognizing that God has all power and authority and all this. They say, God, yeah, these guys, these rulers, these kings, the ones in authority, they did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. The disciples, they recognize again that this is all happening not outside of God's control, but totally within God's control and within God's plan for God's purposes and not necessarily for their own, although they're part of God's story in that. So I imagine that this brought much comfort to the disciples and hopefully brings much comfort to, to, to you and me as we boldly share the gospel with others and as others either approve or reject that message. So that's the second point. Bold prayer is God-centric, not self-centric. Let's pick up in verse 29 to check out what happens next. They're continuing to pray here and they're saying, now, Lord, consider their threats the rulers, the kings, the authorities, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they had prayed this, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So I told you eventually the disciples would ask for something and this is that spot. Do you guys see what they're asking for? What are they asking for? They're asking God, consider their threats, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They're saying, God, would you make us bold? This might sound like a no-brainer. It's right here in the passage. We can all read that for ourselves. But in practicality, it's really important because I think I don't often pray that way. And maybe we don't often pray that way either. Instead, I often pray something like, Lord, consider these guys' as threats, right? So consider the threats of the people that are after me or anything like that, and consider the threats, and God, would you just give me the power, or in fact, would you just rain fire down on my enemies like Elijah did? I read that story, and that was pretty cool. Can you do that again, <laughs> right? We usually ask God, or, or like, God, that, that guy is really annoying, and he was hurting me, and doesn't care about my faith. Could you give him some kind of weird rash and like do something against him, like do something that embarrasses him, and... I, I sometimes pray that way. Isn't that crazy? Or, or sometimes I'll pray this way, like, Lord, consider the threats of the people against me. Would you just make that go away? <laughs> That's, like, really uncomfortable. I don't like that. Could you just, like, make that go away? So I do these two extremes. I'm like, God, do something about this situation. Either get rid of them or, or rain fire down on them or something. Or, God, can you just make that go away as if it never happened at all? But the disciples, they pray they pray this. They're recognizing themselves as God's servants, and they say, God, would you enable us? Would you enable me to speak your word, to present your gospel, to share the good news of Jesus with others with great boldness? They pray that they would actually continue to be able to do the very same thing that got them in this trouble and in the threats in the first place. Isn't that crazy? They're like, Lord, that was, uh, that was pretty awful. They let us go, and they threatened us with our lives and they, they want to kill us like they killed you. Could, we, could you just help us to keep doing that? <laughs> Who prays that way? <laughs> These guys do. It's crazy. It's awesome. They're asking for great boldness and it's not about them. It's for God's story that they're entering into. So bold prayer is this. Bold prayer is praying for God's power over my comfort. 
And if I'm honest, this one stings to me. Every time I do this one, I'm like, ah, really? Like praying for God's power over my own comfort? That is so counterintuitive to me. Um, I, I, I shared this message with a buddy of mine. Um, I was reviewing my sermon with a buddy of mine, and we, we were looking at this together, and we were like, oh, that's hard. Should you say that? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to say it because the disciples, they say it. And he gave me this quote, and I loved it, and I have to share it with you. It's by Matt Chandler. He says this, comfort is the God of our generation, so suffering is seen as a problem to be solved and not a providence from God. I'm just like, wow, that, that is true. That's true of me and maybe for you. <laughs> comfort is like the thing I go to. Lord, I, I'm always praying that way. Lord, make me comfortable. You know, I might not say that, but in various ways I do say that. But how often do I see suffering as like, how often do I attribute suffering or threats or anything like that as Satan? <laughs> as opposed to maybe God is like doing something here. Maybe God is doing something in and through me to be part of his story, to share his good news with other people. Yeah, so this one, this one honestly stings for me personally. And if I'm honest, more often than not, I want God to just make my life super easy all the time, right? Wouldn't that be sweet? Super easy all the time. For example, um, I get migraines pretty often. And does anybody else get migraines here? Okay, I'm praying for you. <laughs> I get migraines pretty often, pretty regularly, and I, I hate it. It's awful. It's paralyzing. It, it takes me away from, uh, it affects everything. It takes me away from spending time with my family. It takes me away from my work and things like that. And anytime, anytime I get a migraine, I usually pray this, Lord, <laughs> please take this away from me right now. This is awful. This sucks. I hate this. Take it away. Make it just go away. Is that a bad thing to pray? Those of you with migraines are like, no, pray that. I pray it all the time. So pray for me. Pray for that, okay? But that's not a bad thing. But I don't think I've ever prayed this way. As, as I've been convicted myself of, of this message um, and, and this teaching today, man, I, I don't think I've ever prayed this. I've never prayed, Lord, give me the strength to get through this so that I can be present with my family, so that I can disciple my kids, so that I can do my work with excellence, at that point, I'm usually checked out, right? I'm, I'm usually I'm hiding in my room, and it's dark, and no one get around me. I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore at that point. I'm just like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. No lights. I, I'm just like praying, God, just make this go away. This is awful. Let me just go back to my own comfort. But instead, I don't, I don't think I often pray, Lord, can you get me through this so that I can keep being present with my family, present in my work, and those kind of things. See the difference there? What about this for an example? Uh, how about sharing your faith, which is what this whole series is all about, by the way. It's about being bold and, and how boldness can enable us to share our faith and the gospel with other people. What will you do and what will I do when we finally share our faith, share the gospel with others? And when we share the gospel with others and um, maybe someone will totally shut us down at best or what will happen <laughs> when we share our faith Someone shuts us down at best or threatens us at worst. Because that happens, maybe not so much here, but definitely around the world that happens. And I'm looking at myself in this too because nobody, I don't know about you, but I don't like rejection, okay? Is that just probably a thing? I don't like rejection. So uh, I just like do anything that I can to not be rejected, okay? Except for going on stage with a bunch of people, right? But I, I just don't like being rejected, so what will I pray? If, I, if I'm always thinking, man, I just don't want to be rejected, I'm just going to pray like comfort and, and easy prayers and kind of like share my faith when it's okay for me, when I feel like it's the right time, what will I do? Will I pray 
Well, I pray that God would, would just let me forget that that happened, right? When I share my faith with someone and um, that relationship becomes awkward because they're like, you know, maybe they see me as kind of that Jesus person now and now the, rela- the relationship is awkward and it's weird to be around them, which is okay with me with awkward. I'm totally good with awkward. But what will we do? Will we just stop sharing our faith altogether? Like, oh man, yeah, I shared my faith that one time, didn't go very well, so I'm just not gonna do that again. See, anyone is bound to get rejected. We can't let that be, I can't let that be a fear in my life. Anyone's bound to be rejected when we're saying that God is a better ruler of your life than you are. It's gonna happen. Or will we just stop, (laughs) will we get together with somebody and will we pray? And, And not a prayer of boldness so that we can be heard, Right? Oftentimes, I'll pray, Lord, can you um, help me share the gospel with that person and win them arguments? <laughs> right? I got the theology down. Let me just win those arguments. And no, it's like prayer, a prayer that God would be known, a prayer that Jesus would be known. That is bold prayer. I love what they say here in verse 30. They're praying, God, please, would you just stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Steve? Nope. They say, Lord, do these things. Do signs and wonders and heal people so that people will know you, Jesus. So people will engage in your story, not my glory, but your glory for Jesus to be known. A prayer that allows Jesus to use me to enable me to share the gospel and to share how Jesus has affected my life. And I love verse 31. It says again that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. I don't know how that all turned out. That seems pretty crazy to me, but that's cool. It's in the text. I believe it. The whole place was just shaken. And it's because of this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I don't know if you know what that means, that being filled with the Holy Spirit. In this case, it, means, it just means this, that God makes us bold to do his work. He makes us bold to do his work. And we don't just get bold on our own. We could look at this series and say, oh, be bold. Yeah, I can do that. I can just be bold. Oftentimes, being bold on our own is the wrong type of boldness. We need the boldness that God provides so that we can share life with others, so that we can engage on the mission that Jesus has set us out to do and to share the good news of Jesus to the world. So for you, have you shared your faith before with somebody else? And by the way, if and when you do, that'll make you get out of your comfort zone more than anything else I know. (laughs) When you share your faith with somebody else, uh, it'll make you get out of your comfort zone. It'll make you rely on God's power and not your own comfort. There's nothing comforting there for me, right? I'm an introvert if you don't know this, okay? Being on the stage, this doesn't do much for me, all right? Interacting with people, sharing my faith with people, it doesn't really do much for me. And so, man, it it gets me out of my comfort zone, but it makes me rely on God's power, not my own comfort. It makes me rely on God's power and seeing him do that. So it'll get you out of your comfort zone. Maybe for you, you've shared your faith with your family. Uh, maybe you've shared your faith with a coworker or a friend. How did that go? How did that experience, what was that like for you? Maybe it went really well, okay? Maybe you shared your faith and the person accepted Jesus and they're like accepting Christ as Lord and Savior and they're going to this church. Sweet, that's awesome. Maybe you shared your faith and it went, you know, neutral, kind of whatever, like, oh, they didn't oppose Jesus, they didn't accept Jesus either, kind of whatever's good for you is good for you, man, that kind of thing. Or maybe when you shared your faith, it went awful, and that person shut you down, made you feel silly, irrelevant, maybe that hurt the relationship and it's not the same anymore. 
Maybe it's awkward to see that person again, and maybe that's exactly why you or me wouldn't share our faith anymore. That's happened to me. But God, he wants us to be bold and to be honest about our personal but not private relationship with him and to others. Sharing your faith, it doesn't have to be this scary, crazy, brash, aggressive, assertive, protester, activist kind of thing. It doesn't have to be that way. Just start, just start with prayer. Start with bold prayer. And we don't have to do this alone either. And so to emphasize that point here, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give us four challenges as I wrap up here, okay? Four challenges. And the first one is this. Pray together. Okay? Just pray together. Something, that's something that we see throughout this entire passage. If you keep looking at this passage, the disciples, what they do? They went back to their own people. They went back to their life group. They went back to the church. They prayed together. They lifted their voices together. They were empowered to be bold together through their prayers. Together. And so it's interesting, um, in my experience, whenever we have a prayer, be- prayer event, you know, hypothetical situation, whenever we have a prayer event, it's often very low in attendance, okay? And that's not a guilt trip for you guys, but that is a shameless plug for you to come to this uh, prayer night. So there you go, all right? So the challenge, maybe the challenge for you is like, come to that prayer night tonight, 7 p.m., s'mores. Think about the s'mores. Pray together. I'm kidding, obviously, but man, maybe that's a challenge for you. Have you prayed together with somebody else? Do you know what that does? I mentioned Dan Miller and I, we we were in the upper room and we were praying, and we were praying, God, be bold, because the world desperately needs you. It does something to to our relationship um, with me and him, and we know we're on like the same prayer together, so when we're in the hallway, we do the face nod action thing, right? We're like, we're praying for that thing. Prayer does something when you do it together. So I'd encourage you to come to the prayer night tonight, 7 p.m. Here's another challenge. Last week, uh, Tony, uh, Pastor Tony brought this to our attention. There's these wallpapers that you can download, okay? Um, why wallpapers? Because we're always on our phone. Like, I'd probably be on my phone if I wasn't preaching, but uh, on the phone, we're always there. So get these, download these from our app or online. We even have buttons um, at the Welcome Center that say Be Bold on them. So I would just challenge you, keep that prayer. Keep praying that, Lord. Make me bold because the world desperately needs you. Pray that with us for this series and even outside of that series. Let that be a rhythm for you. And if you've downloaded this, have you guys wondered what those circles are? Anybody? <laughs> like, yeah, what's that? All right, well, I'm going to tell you. These three circles represent the next challenge. The next challenge is this. Would you pray for your three? Okay, so would you pray for your three? And what I mean by that is think of the three people in your life that you're in proximity to, that you go to work with, that are your friends or your family, people that you actually interact with, think of three people that you can make this prayer more practical. Lord, make me bold because these three people desperately need you. Would you pray that? Would you think of those three? And by the way, if you're the person who's like, oh yeah, I got three right now, I got 15 that I'm praying for. Maybe for you, (laughs) would you pray this prayer for that person at your work that you avoid, <laughs> that, that person that you want nothing to do with. You know what I'm talking about, that person. Would you pray for those people as well? Not the people that it's just, oh yeah, it's easy, I can share my faith with that person, the people that it's challenging with. I would just consider, consider praying for those three. All right, and the last thing is this, and I'm gonna invite the band up so the band can come up and I just wanna challenge uh, another set of people here. If Maybe you're here today and you're, you're not a praying person or you're investigating Jesus and that's awesome and we're so glad that you would join us in investigating Jesus with us together. 
maybe you're here today and you've never submitted your life to Jesus. And if that's you, I want to challenge you to be bold and to consider, for maybe for the first time, who Jesus is. To boldly talk to God through prayer and say, God, I don't know if you're real, but please help me to understand who you are. So God is a good king, a loving king. He's an all-powerful ruler, and he is good. He's a better ruler of my life than I am, and he loves me and he loves you more than anybody else, more than you can imagine. And I would encourage you to talk to him and maybe even take that next step and say, yeah, God, the way I'm ruling over my life isn't working, and I want to be a part of your kingdom and of your rule. All right, so I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'm going to pray some things, and when I'm done praying, we're going to have the band give us some space. You're going to give us like a a minute of awkward silence, right? So a minute of awkward silence, and in that minute after I pray, if if you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, would you ask God for who those three people are? God, who are those three that I can pray for as a first response and not a last resort? Who are those three that I can pray God-centric prayers and not self-centric prayers for? God, Who are those three that I can pray for God's power over my comfort in sharing the good news with them? Because, Lord, make me bold because those people desperately need you. And if you're you're here today and you, you haven't prayed that way or if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're investigating, would you be bold and would you ask God, who's a good ruler, show me that. Show me, God. It says that you're sovereign Lord, ruler over everything. You've created everything. God, would you reveal that to me? Well, let's be bold and pray together now. Lord Jesus, you are good. God, and that's true, and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start off with recognizing you, Lord. You are a good God, a ruler with all authority, and you created everything. You created the heavens and the earth. You are the creator, God, and that name is Jesus, and that's you. And God, as we're praying right now and as we'll be praying together and on our own after my prayer, Lord Would you reveal to us those three people? God, reveal to me and to us who those people are in our life that we want to pray. Lord, make me bold. Enable me, your servant, to be be bold, to share the good news of Jesus with those three people. Because, Lord, the world desperately needs you. God, would you reveal that to me and to us today? And, Lord, if we're here and we we haven't prayed that way or, or we haven't said, man, God is the controller, the ruler over my world. God, would, would you help us to be bold and to pray that prayer today? Lord, help us to be bold and say, man, yeah, I don't know who you are. Would you reveal yourself to me? Would you help us do that today? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.